for our meditation tonight, I'd like us to consider a very familiar text of Scripture, which is John's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse 11, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You may know that there are a number of I am statements of Christ in John's Gospel. Uh, There are seven in total. And the interesting thing is that this particular title, I am the Good Shepherd, is the middle one. There are three on either side, and this is the central statement. Now, it is an elementary truth. But it is a truth, nonetheless, that there can be no shepherd unless there are sheep. Someone can't be a shepherd if he doesn't have any sheep. And the Lord Jesus Christ is described in the New Testament as the great shepherd of the sheep. He's also called in 1 Peter chapter 5 the chief shepherd who shall appear. But right here there's this statement that Christ is the good shepherd. So he's the great, he's the chief, and he's the good shepherd of the sheep. And he is the good shepherd because he has sheep. He possesses sheep. And so when we look at the name, the shepherd, it is important to focus also upon those who belong to the shepherd, that is, the sheep of Christ. The beautiful old psalm, which we, when we're singing it, we refer to as the old 100th, says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. When we think about the sheep in relation to the shepherd, that is an interesting thought that we find in both Old and New Testaments. There is a relationship that's spoken of here. The shepherd has a relationship to the sheep. The sheep have a relationship to the shepherd. He is their shepherd. They are his sheep. And you will notice in John chapter 10 how they are described throughout. The Lord uses the personal pronoun in relation to the sheep. He doesn't just call them the sheep. But, for example, there uh, in verse number 3, the Bible says, He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. His own sheep. That's a description you find again in verse 4, when he putteth forth his own sheep. And that is a thought that continues down through this chapter. He is one who has sheep that belong to him. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. There's a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. You'll see this again in Ezekiel chapter 34 
where the Lord speaks of seeking out his own sheep. You see it in the New Testament in Luke chapter 15 in the parable of the lost sheep. We remember that, how that there was a shepherd, he has a hundred sheep. There are 99 in the fold. There's one that's out in the mountains, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care to quote the hymn. But all of these sheep have one thing in common. They're his. They belong to him. And that, of course, is the reason for his great care for them and his great care of them. Now, once again, whenever the Lord was speaking to Peter and recommissioning him after Peter had sinned against the Lord and denying him, we recall that he was out there fishing along with some others. And in John chapter 21, the Lord was gracious to Peter and spoke to him again. Remember how he reminded him of his threefold betrayal, if you like, his threefold denial, because he asked him three times, Lovest thou me? But whenever he was questioning with with Simon Peter, what did he say to him? Verse 15 of John 21. At the end of the verse, he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, at the end of the verse, he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And you'll find it again in verse 17. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. My lambs, my sheep, my sheep. They belong to me. The sheep are his. And in John chapter 10, he says, I know my sheep. When the Lord says that he knows the sheep, this signifies a special intimate knowledge. What one preacher called a knowledge of approbation, complacency, love and interest. It is a knowledge of benevolence. It's not just that he knows intellectually who they are. But he knows them in such a way that he loves them. Because you see, you, you read in, in Scripture that the Lord knows all about everybody. The Lord sees everything. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding the evil and the good. So you could say that the Lord knows everyone. He knows where they are. He knows what they're doing. He knows all about the wicked. But there's a sense in which he knows about his sheep in a peculiar and particular way. It means when it says that I know my sheep, that he knows them in the sense of benevolence. He loves the sheep. He cares deeply for them. That's how he knows them. And he knows them not just as a flock of sheep, but he knows them individually and personally. So again, when you look at the parable of Luke 15... It emphasizes the personal nature of salvation. Again, we see this in John chapter 10. You see this in verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. In other words, each sheep is individually known. Each sheep is individually appreciated by him. The personal nature of salvation is emphasized. He calls each of them by name. So notice how this love for the sheep is shown. They are sought by him. 
Again, if we were to go to the parable in Luke chapter 15, this is the great thing about the shepherd. He goes out to seek, to seek after the lost sheep. We're reminded in that in Isaiah 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep are creatures that wander so very, very easily. Anybody who has ever worked with sheep will know this. One of them will find a hole in the hedge or in the fence, and then once one of them finds that hole, they all seem to find it, and out they go. And they're all over the place. They wander. They go astray. That's the thing about the lost sheep. The lost sheep go astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Again, that's emphasized in that portion that I mentioned in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord speaks of his people as his sheep. And Ezekiel 34 verse 16 speaks in this way. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away. He's referring here to sheep that have wandered. And again, we're thinking about the New Testament in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, where it says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The sheep in the parable of Luke 15 was lost. Out on the mountains, wild and bare. And that's the most natural thing in the world for a sheep to stray, to get lost. And that's a great representation of man's condition in his sin. He's a lost creature. He's lost in his sins. But Christ seeks after the lost one until he finds him. If I might just refer to the parable there that Jesus spoke this is the emphasis that we find there in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep. In verses 4 and 5, he says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? Notice this, and go after, and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his, shoulder, on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbours, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. He goes out looking for the sheep. Every believer can say in his testimony, I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. Have you been found by Christ? Are you still a lost sheep? The sheep are his own because he sought them out and he found them. But not only were they sought by him, we see this love of the shepherd and it is shown by the fact that they were fought for by him. The Lord fought for his sheep. In John 10 from verse 12, mention is made of the hireling. The hireling is the hired help. He's the person who doesn't own the sheep. He's just there working on the farm. He's working for the shepherd. He's getting paid to look after the sheep. But the sheep don't belong to him. He doesn't really have any relationship to them. He doesn't care for them that much. And so when there's a threat to the sheep, 
And it's mentioned here, he seeth the wolf coming. The wolf is a wild animal. The wolf is a dangerous creature. And the wolf is out to destroy the sheep. He's out to kill the sheep. And what happens here is, the hireling, who's not the shepherd, he doesn't own the sheep, he sees the wolf, he leaves the sheep, and he runs away. He fleeth, according to verse 12. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. But he says, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. He is one who fights for the sheep. Beautifully illustrated this in the Old Testament in young David. When David went to fight with Goliath, he was challenged as to his fitness for standing up to such a giant as that. And David talked about whenever he was out with the sheep, he fought with a lion and a bear. And was able to kill them with his sling and his stones. In other words, he fought for the sheep. He defended the sheep. He was there to protect his father's flock. And doesn't that picture the Lord Jesus Christ in his battle with Satan, the old lion? The old wild animal, the roaring lion who seeks to devour the sheep. He's described in that way in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. But the Lord Jesus has overcome the lion. Hebrews 2 verse 14 speaks of the victory of Christ. He was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he did overcome the devil and the powers of hell. He fought for the sheep. That same hymn that speaks of the sheep being lost... On the mountains wild and bare, it says this, None of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that our Lord passed through ere he found the sheep that was lost. The Lord loves the sheep. They're related to him. They're sought by him. They're fought for by him. And the sheep are Christ. They belong to him because they're bought by him. He emphasizes that here. He giveth his life for the sheep. He gives his life to purchase the sheep. And as we read our New Testaments, we discover that the people of God have been purchased by Christ at infinite cost. When Paul was there speaking to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he said something to them in verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Notice that description? To all the flock, the sheep. Because you are the under-shepherds, you see. The bishops, the overseers, the elders. He says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, to all the sheep, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Sheep need to be fed. Sheep need to be protected and looked after. To feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. They're bought by him. Paul puts it this way. You're bought with 
a price. The sheep have been redeemed. They've been bought back by his precious blood. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But then the sheep are not only sought by him and fought for by him and bought by him, they are brought home by him. Again, the parable in Luke 15 rehearses the same thing that we find in Ezekiel 34. Oh, how the shepherd loves the sheep and and how they in turn love him. Luke chapter 15, speaking of this, says in verses at 5 and 6 when he hath found it that's the lost sheep he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing he's full of joy and when he cometh home he calleth together his friends and neighbours saying unto them rejoice with me be happy about this for I have found my sheep which was lost what does he do with the sheep? he brings the sheep home that's the exact phrase that's used in Luke 15 verse number 6 and when he cometh home you know whenever the Lord saves us he brings us home we find our home in him but notice concerning this relationship he knows them but they also know him John chapter 10 verse 14 makes this clear. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. The sheep are not only known by their shepherd, but they know the shepherd. They know him. One writer said, these words are a sharp rebuke to those doubters who in voluntary humility refuse to be sure of their salvation. The assurance of salvation is here. The Lord not only knows the sheep, the sheep know Him. When I say to you as a believer, do you know the Lord? You should be able to say, yes, I know Him. I know Him. I know Him as my own Lord and Savior. I've been introduced to Him. I'm one of the sheep. The sheep know their shepherd. They know what He has done for them. They know what He represents to them. And so there's not only a relationship, there's a response. There's a response by the sheep to their own shepherd. That's the thing that the Lord is emphasizing here. Look at it again. We're reading the same verses again, but deliberately so. From verse 3, in the middle of the verse, well, actually it says, And the sheep hear His voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. The sheep hear his voice when he calls them. And he calls each one of those sheep by name and leads them out. Then we go on to the next verse. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Go down to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Commenting on this, one of the old Puritans said, Christ's sheep are marked both in the ear and in the foot. They're marked in the ear because they hear his voice. 
They're marked in the foot because they follow after him. Those who don't hear the voice of Christ and do not follow after him are not his sheep. And we need to learn that. There are so many people in our day who, if you ask them the question, are you saved? They don't hesitate in affirming that they are. But yet you look at their lives, you see how they behave, and you can see right away they're not following after the shepherd. They're not listening to the shepherd's voice. How are they his sheep? Because there's always going to be a response to the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd, from those who are his true sheep. It's right here. They listen to his word. They hear his voice as he speaks. They don't say, well, I don't care what the Bible says. That doesn't matter to me. I know the Bible says this, but I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to believe this. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. This is what I think. Those are not the words of a sheep. Those are not the words of a sheep. The sheep hear his voice. And that's how we can tell the sheep of the Lord from the goats. Our Lord Jesus himself said this, didn't he, in John chapter 8, verse 47. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. It's so simple, isn't it? It's so straightforward. Somebody who is of God, he hears God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. People who don't want to hear the word of God, they don't want to listen to his word, they are not his sheep. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. There was a man in Australia once who was arrested and charged with sheep stealing. They said that he had stolen this sheep, but when he was charged, this man claimed emphatically that he did not steal the sheep. It was one of his own sheep that had been missing for many days and he had found it. But the the case made its way to court. And the judge was sort of in a quandary. He didn't know how to decide the matter. So, At the final analysis, the judge asked that the sheep itself be brought into the courtroom. Rather unusual thing to do. And he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and call the animal. The man who was claiming that it was his sheep, he said, go out into the courtyard and call the sheep. Well, he did that. And the sheep made absolutely no response except to raise its head and look frightened. So then the judge instructed the defendant, the man who was being accused of stealing the sheep, to go out into the courtyard and to call the sheep. And when the accused man began to make that distinctive call of his, the sheep bounded toward the door. The judge didn't even need to rule. Because it was obvious that the sheep recognized the familiar voice of his master. And the judge said, his sheep knows him. Case dismissed. Good illustration, isn't it? His sheep knows him. Do you know the shepherd truly? Because if you do, you're going to be interested in what he has to say. You will hear his voice. 
The hearing of the voice of the Good Shepherd, of course, has particular reference to coming to him for salvation. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 5.24 They listen to his invitation when he calls upon them to repent and believe and come to him. That's how we know they're sheep. Because they respond to the call to salvation. They listen to that great invitation. Robert Murray McShane actually said the first time they hear his voice is the time of conversion. That's the first time they really hear his voice. Now notice the Lord speaks and then they hear. The shepherd has a voice that is heard and the sheep respond to that voice. It's the grace of God that begins the work and they through grace obey that gospel call and willingly come to him. That's how it is. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. Now it is true, though some don't mean it in this way, that souls are not brought to Christ against their will. How so? Because the fact is that the unwilling is made willing by an act of God's grace and power called regeneration. So the sheep freely respond to the shepherd's call. I think it was Spurgeon who said, My will was never so free as when I responded to the call of God to salvation. The unwilling was made willing by an act of God. And don't we see that illustrated in the scripture? I think of two. I mentioned one this morning, Zacchaeus. No hesitation when the Lord called him out of that tree. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The Lord called him down from that place. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. For today I must abide at thy house. There was no hesitation. There was no arguing. Down he came. Brought to Christ. We think of Lydia in Acts chapter 16, whose heart the Lord opened. That she attended unto things that were spoken of Paul. As the Puritan said, the sheep are marked in their ear. They hear the voice of Christ. And that, of course, continues after conversion. Because they hear his voice in the time of duty. He directs the way and they go in that path. They hear his voice in the time of devotion. You know this. When you read your Bible and pray, and you ask the Lord to speak to you, and He does, and you hear His voice. And it's true even in times of distress, because the Lord draws alongside and He speaks peace to your troubled heart. You're going through a hard time, and the Lord gives you just the word that you need. And it's even true at the hour of death, because the Good Shepherd is there to speak a word of comfort. And to bear the sheep gently over the river. The sheep of Christ listen to his word. The sheep of Christ are led in his way. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now that's referring especially to their obedience to the commandments of the shepherd. Not only does the Lord talk about sheep coming to him for salvation... But I believe he also speaks about their conformity to him in sanctification. The sheep follow the shepherd. 
You must understand that this is an eastern picture. Any experience that I have of sheep coming from the United Kingdom, when you see a flock of sheep, they're being rounded up usually by a sheepdog and by a shepherd. And oftentimes the shepherd is off to the side or he's at the back. But not an eastern culture. If you were to go to the Middle East, to Jerusalem, somewhere like that, and you'd see the sheep, the shepherd is at the front. He leads the sheep. They follow after him. The shepherd goes in front, the sheep follow on behind. He leads and they follow. That's why in a lot of our hymns you have that picture that is before us. Where he leads me, I will follow. The sheep are not only then marked in the ear, they hear his voice. They're marked in the foot because they walk in holy obedience to the commands of the shepherd. Not perfectly, of course. Not perfectly. There are times when they go astray. Even as a lost sheep, the believer goes astray. But the general tenor of his life is to be a follower of Christ. Yes, it is a trait of sheep that they sometimes go astray and sometimes the people of God are but sheep and they go astray in some way, shape or form. But here's the thing, we've been called to follow the voice of our shepherd. And a soul truly saved by the grace of God will have a desire to follow Christ. That's how you can recognize a believer. Oh yes, there are slips, there are falls, there are times when the sheep goes down over a ravine and he's hanging off some precipice and the shepherd has to take the crook and pull him up out of there and rescue him because of his own folly. There are slips and there are falls and there are things that we do because of our own stupidity. But if we are truly sheep, the shepherd will draw us back and he will lift us up. You know that hymn, I have a shepherd, one I love so well? How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. Even in that hymn, it talks about this backsliding and going astray. When I would wander from the path astray, then he will draw me back into his way. In the darkest valley I will fear no ill, for he, my shepherd, will be with me still. The true sheep of Christ will follow after Christ. One of the Puritans was talking about the difference between a sheep and a hog. I'm sure you know the difference between a sheep and a hog. This Puritan said, sometimes the sheep might slip off the path into the mire. But the first thing he wants to do is to get out of that mire again because it's not his natural element. But the hog's different. The hog deliberately gets down into the mire to wallow in it because that's his natural element. That's what he desires to be in. And I saw that once very graphically illustrated uh, in my own life in the farm that belonged to my in-laws. My father-in-law was going off to some army commemoration event and he thought, well, I'll ask this city boy to look after my hogs. I don't know if he'd be able to do it properly or not, but I'll ask him anyway. I remember he gave me the instructions what to do. The heat of the summer in Iowa is such that it can be, it can be 101 degrees and 90% humidity and hogs don't like that. People don't like it, but hogs definitely don't like it. And if they get too sweated up, they can get sick and they can die. So 
My wife's father told me, he says, look, get the hose and just hose down that big cement slab inside the barn and just let nature take its course. Well, as soon as I hosed down that big slab, in they came. One after another. It was amazing. In they came from the field. And they just flopped onto this wet surface. They loved it. And then they got up. And they followed the trail of the water outside to a water hole that was full of mud. And one by one they got down in there and covered themselves with this wet mud. And of course whenever they would get out it would harden in the sun and it formed a cooling coat. And that's the purpose of it. Animals are so smart. God's put something in them. They know what to do. And so this would protect them the way you would put on sun cream. The hog puts mud all over his body to protect him from the sun, from the effects of the sun's rays. That's what they did. It was an education for me. I'd never seen anything like it. But one thing I noticed was that the hogs didn't have to be told by me, look, Go out and get into that water hole and into that mud. They knew. They knew to get in there by themselves because that was their natural element. Hogs like the mire. That's what he desires to be in. But sheep are not like that. Sheep don't like being in mud and dirt. You see, the sheep follow on to know the Lord. This is the mark of those who belong to the Good Shepherd. They hear His Word and they follow in His way. I've talked here not only about the relationship and the response, but there's also to be thought of here the residence of the sheep. That is their residence with the shepherd. This chapter, John 10, talks about the sheep being brought into somewhere. They're brought into the sheepfold. I think that could be taken to refer to the true church and the kingdom of Christ. We see this in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Then verse 28, it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The sheep are brought into the fold by the good shepherd to abide with him. And in regard to that great truth, We find here in the 16th verse a certain promise. And as a preacher of God's word, I love this. It's so easy to be discouraged in ministry. It's so easy for Christians to be discouraged in witnessing for the Lord because we look at what we can see and we think nothing happens. Well, look at verse 16. Think carefully about it. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. And... Other sheep I have. Notice he doesn't say other sheep I will have. But other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those that are not of the Jewish fold, but of the Gentile fold. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. He says them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And you could read in company with that Ephesians chapter 2, where Jew and Gentile are part of one church of Jesus Christ. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the success of the gospel. 
the ministry of God's Word is going to produce fruit to the glory of God. You better believe it. Souls are going to be saved as the Word of God goes forth. And we see the certainty of this. Other sheep I have. Them also I must bring. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. See the, the certainty of the language here? There's no danger of heaven having empty seats in it. There's going to be no places in heaven that are unfilled because people didn't take up and occupy those seats. The house of the Lord will be full. There will be no empty seats in glory. Every place will be taken at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There are some sheep, thank God, who are already in the fold, in that sense. They've gone to glory. And others are following on, yet to be brought in. I trust that you're among them. I should point out that in verse 16, the word for fold would probably be better translated as flock. This would be one flock. But the sense is the same. Because the fold is where the flock is safely kept. There is but one flock and one fold of Christ. One church invisible. The redeemed of all ages. And as old Bishop Ryle said, this is a prophecy and a promise combined. It was a prophecy that the elect among the heathen, however unlikely it might appear, would hear Christ's voice speaking to them in the gospel preached, and hearing would believe and obey. It was a promise, he said, that would encourage the apostles to preach to the heathen. Because they will listen, they will be converted, and they will follow me. Ryle said, it is a sentence that should cheer the missionary. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Souls are going to be saved. Oh yes, this is a certain promise. There's also in connection with that a comforting prospect because the sheep of Christ will be enfolded safely forever, brought into the fold and protected by the power of their shepherd. He's never going to let them go. In the parable of Luke 15, we see the sheep carried on his shoulders. There's the strength of the shepherd underlined. But here they seem to be closed within his sheepfold. Again, the security of the sheep, the security of the flock is underlined. They're kept safe, they're kept secure by their shepherd. There are those who will try to pluck believers away from Christ. I think that's implied really, isn't it? In verses 28 and 29. I give unto them, that's the sheep, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That tells us that there are those that are trying to do that. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. The old devil himself tries to pluck us out of the, the hand of the shepherd, but he can't do it. Because the Lord will not lose one sheep for which he has died. And as we think of him at the table tonight, we think of the fact that not one soul for which he shed his blood and his body was broken will be lost. What a great comfort that is. Because the safety of the sheep is guaranteed by the strength of their shepherd. My little cousin learned a children's chorus when he came to our church when he was small. And he learned that chorus so well that he used to sing it, but using different words when he was going home. And he used to sing, See you, Mara, see you, Mara. 
But the song was, safe am I, safe am I in the hollow of God's hand. Sheltered o'er, sheltered o'er by his love forevermore. No ill can harm me, no fear alarm me, for he keeps both day and night. Safe am I, safe am I in the hollow of God's hand. So yes, we will see you tomorrow in the glory land, if we were to be taken today. And there's a contrasting position here that we sadly have to refer to when we're talking about the sheep and the shepherd, because verse 26 clearly tells us that there are some who are not of his sheep. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He's implying here that these do not hear his voice, and they do not know him, and they do not follow him. And he doesn't give to them eternal life. Ye believe not, because you are not of my sheep. And we all know people like that. There are many who are not of his sheep. That is such a solemn thing. Matthew chapter 25 has in view a day of judgment when the shepherd will divide the sheep from the goats. The significance of that is that in the eastern world, sheep and goats, unlike our society, our culture, sheep and goats are easily differentiated in our culture, but not there. Over there, sheep and goats very often look the same. To the untrained eye, a sheep and a goat look just about alike. That's why it tells us that the shepherd is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Because he has a trained eye, and the goats are not going to heaven. Even though, as one preacher put it, there are some goats who have their horns cut and their beards clipped, but they're still goats for all that. They may be masquerading as sheep, but they're not sheep, and Jesus will not save them. It's only the sheep who will never perish. J.C. Ryle put it like this, it's the perseverance of saints and not of sinners and wicked people that is promised here. The question we must ask people is, are you one of the sheep? Have you obeyed the voice of the shepherd? Are you obeying the voice of the shepherd? Are you following after him? If not, you'll never experience the blessing spoken of in the great shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great day that will be when all the sheep are safely gathered home into the fold of God. No longer will we sit at a table such as this one and remember the Lord's death till he come. Because the Lord himself will come forth and gird himself and will serve us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The only ones that will be at that supper are the sheep, the goats. Not that defileth shall in any wise enter in. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. This is what we commemorate at every communion season. The good shepherd giving his life for we who are the sheep. May the Lord give us a greater and greater appreciation of that, even as time goes on. May the Lord bless his word to all of our hearts.